welcome to the Love Yourself Naked podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Glubish, and I've been working with women for over two years to help them ditch the diet mentality, find food freedom, and gain a body confidence that they never knew was possible. There is so much information out there about how to eat, how to exercise, and how to live a healthy lifestyle. My goal on the show is to help answer all your questions and provide you the tools you need to live in peace with food and love your body. So if you are ready to discover what it's like to live a life without obsession, you are in the right place. Now let's get to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, I have with me the lovely Glory Meldrum. Glory is a woman of many achievements, many accomplishments, perspectives, experiences. We had a lovely little debriefing before we pressed record here. And uh, I kind of wish I was recording that whole conversation because there was so, so many wonderful nuggets in that. But um, I'm sure that we'll get a bunch more in the chat now. So um, Glory is a huge business leader. She is the founder of Little Warriors and the Be Brave Ranch, which is in Edmonton, Alberta, for those of you that don't know. Um, but I'll let her kind of dive in and um, I'm just going to digress. So Glory, why don't you go ahead and just give everyone a bit of an introduction? Sounds good, dear. So um, as Chelsea mentioned, uh, my name is Glory Meldrum. Um, I've been an entrepreneur for almost 30 years. Uh, long time. I uh, actually turned 50 next month, um, which is interesting because you're, it's a, it, it, that's a big one. The fifth, the five O is a big one. And uh, yeah, so I've been a, a, in business for almost 30 years. I've been married to the love of my life for 28 years together. Wow. 30. Oh yeah. Best gift God's ever given me um, is my husband, Gary and uh, his birthday is today. So he's 50 today. Oh, wow. We're we're going out for dinner with with all of our kids. And yeah, mom of four kids. I have a little, I have two biological kids. And then I've got a little son that we adopted at 11 months from Ethiopia. He's now 15 and he's about six, two, and I'm about (laughs) five, three and a quarter. Uh, He's freaking huge. (laughs) And and, uh, we've got a little special needs daughter that, um, that we adopted when she was four. So was interesting for many years. I was like, I'll never have kids just because of my past and things that I've been through. And, you know, woke up one day and I said to my husband, I said, let's have some babies. And so it's kind of funny that we've got four kids, a cat and a dog, um, because that wasn't the way that I saw my life, but I, I, I definitely wouldn't change it. Um, my oldest is in law school right now. And my, my second oldest is in education. And so just a really, um, you know, proud, proud mom, proud wife. Um, and then, yeah, most people I think know me from Little Warriors, uh, which will be 15 years old, March 5th. Wow. And so um, I built the, I had the vision and the dream to build the first treatment center in the world for kids that have been sexually abused. Um, Little Warriors now is the you know, the equivalent to Betty Ford or the Mayo Clinic when it comes to the treatment of child sexual abuse. We are still the only one that uh, actually does an intensive kind of one year treatment program. I mean, you can get one hour counseling, but to be candid, I've had more counseling that I know that I know what to do with. And it didn't didn't help me a lot. Um, And so now I'm in the process of building the first adult treatment center for kids that were sexually abused for for adults that were sexually abused as kids. Mm -hmm. And it's called Our Lighthouse. And it's been already designed. uh, We're working with PCL to develop it. 
um, like to build it. Um, and we're just so excited. So once again, it'll be the first in the world and people like me will be able to go get proper treatment, um, at a, at a facility that, that knows, that knows what they're, what they're doing. Right. I, I think that often for trauma, there's trauma centers in the U S and I've been to one, but they don't focus on the root cause of what's causing the issues. Um, it's more the issues that they focus on and not the cause. Mm -hmm. And I think that in order to solve any type of problem, when it comes to trauma, you've got to really get at those roots. And so, yeah, we're really, really excited. And, and, uh, the adult center will be a user pay model. So people will come from around the world. Um, and we're seeing that now with the Be Brave Ranch is we've got a kid coming from Hungary. So if kids oh. come from other countries, then they have to pay. Because okay. obviously we've raised all the money in Canada. It wouldn't be fair for us to pay for a kid from another country. And so, yeah, I think there's seven countries right now that are trying to get their kids into our facility. But we don't have any beds because of COVID. Um, the incidences have gone up. The reportings have gone up 1,400%. But to be very, that that's not even the real number. Because the 95% of kids don't uh, disclose until they're over the age of 18. So that's not even that's not even a real number, right? But that's what the number is from the government and the cops and all of that on just reporting. And so COVID pushed us in to a shitstorm um, that we weren't ready for. So now we're left with raising five million dollars to double the number of beds that we have, and so that we can meet the demand, and then to build the adult treatment center. And then we've also got. Um, another world-class program. It's a prevention program. It's called Prevent It. And people can take it online or take it in person and it's free. And if you take it, it protects 10 kids in your life from being sexually abused. And all of the Little Warriors programs, everything that we do is measured by the University of Alberta. They're our kind of our academic kind of research partner. Um, and I think we're in, for all of our programs, I think we're in roughly nine medical journals around the world. And for those that don't know, uh, is that when you're in a medical journal, that means that the whole entire medical community, medical community endorses your outcomes and very, very few nonprofits, um, are, are published. And so we're really proud of that. Um, the other really cool thing about little warriors is that we did a social return on investment with the U of A. So every million dollars invested saves the country, people, the systems, $11 million. Wow. And all done by the U of A, because we want people to know that we're not making up our own numbers. Mm -hmm. Everything is calculated by the U of A. They get our raw data and then they calculate it. So how effective are we reducing depression, anxiety, cutting, suicidal thoughts, emotional regulation, all of these things, we measure every single thing we do. And that's probably the business side of me is that, you know, I got the best business people in the world to sit on my board, right? Like mm -hmm. everything is set up from a business perspective, although it's a, it, although it's a nonprofit. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. A um, couple personal things. Like I love, I'm a big yogi, um, only hot yoga though. Um, oh yeah. Only hot. I love meta. Um, yeah. And I collect rocks and crystals and stones and, uh, and, and yeah, like I'm, I'm just, uh, a person that lives my life from a place of authenticity and vulnerability. And hopefully that inspires other people to take off their armor and share their stories because that the only way we heal is through love um, of ourselves 
and being able to share in safe environments, you know, the things that we've been through and the things that we struggle with. Yeah. Wow. Hey, I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. So I, I'm curious about you, you talked about numbers and to be honest, I am so, I just am not versed in sexual abuse at all. Um, I would say that's probably a blessing, but also it's something that I would like to be more aware of and, you know, just know how I can help to support, um, obviously prevent it is one really big one. And I actually know a friend that just signed up for it yesterday. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're talking about numbers and how through COVID the sexual abuse increased by, you said 1400%. Yeah. So 1400% have actually gone to the cops. So the disclosures is what they're measuring, right? but it's 10 times that number because most kids don't report. And so just to give you a couple, statistically, it says it's one in three girls and roughly one in five boys. I don't buy those numbers as someone that's out in the community a lot. I actually think, you know, it's probably one in two girls and one in three boys Uh, we've seen a massive rise in human trafficking because we're the only facility in the world that treats human traffic kids, Mm -hmm. kids from cults, child pornography, abductions, um, all of that stuff. And so we've seen those numbers really, really rising. Um, And 95% of the time, it's a male that's the offender. 5% is a woman. 98% of the time, it's someone the kid knows. So either a relative, a coach, a teacher, you know what I mean? A neighbor, it's someone that has access. Um, And the other 5% would be two to 5% would be stranger danger. So it's fascinating that we're still teaching stranger danger in schools, but that's not what the problem is. Mm -hmm. It's not creepy dude in a van that's going to, that you need to be worried about. Yeah. It's the people that you give access to your children in your home. Right. Mm -hmm. And if, if you look at prostitution, 95% of prostitutes were sexually abused. Um, you know, uh, drug addictions is 75%. Everything that's wrong with society are consequences of child sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Like statistically, I can, I can show it. You want to get rid of prostitution. You heal these kids when they're young End of story, Mm -hmm. right. Is you get them the resources that they need. And until now they haven't had that. Like, one hour counseling, you know, based on all of the trauma that these, these little kids have been through, it's just not enough. Right. And so at our facility, they're, they're doing work with our clinical team, like eight hours a day, their nights are free and their weekends, we do events and stuff, but they're pretty much in school. Do you know what I mean? Like working with our team and the different nine modalities of therapy um, that we that we utilize, right? Anxiety, depression is close to 80, it's 75, 80% of everybody with it in the entire world. This is where it came from. And so I've been to politicians like you guys, poverty, tent city, domestic violence, po- all of these things. People end up in those situations because of what's happened to them as kids, it's proven. Mm -hmm. And so it gets a little frustrating that, um, you know, that the government really doesn't help at all and that we raise all of the money on our own. And, you know, the Alberta government's got a world-class facility in their backyard, but, you know, like most governments, they're often, it doesn't matter which government, they're all the same, to be very honest. Um, 
But I think when I started it, they took it as, oh, you know what, you think we're not doing a good job. So and making them look bad, which wasn't really wasn't it at all. It's a volunteer job for me. It was no, like this needs to be fixed. I'm going to be brave enough to stand up and do this. But they just really just all shit on me. You know what I mean? Like it's been crazy politically how how abusive it's been. Um, to work with the Alberta government and not the other governments, all the other governments in the country are amazing to us. Really? Except our own. Yep. But I, I think I stepped on their toes um, and I'm a non-filtered, call it how it is kind of lady. And they don't, I'm not, they can't control me. Right. Like I'm going to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And so you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's, it's been a, it's been a journey, but I won't lie the last couple of years and the demand and and going to bed and knowing that I don't have enough beds and parents are reaching out to me on Facebook. Cause they, you know, they can't get in. And, and we know that if kids stay on that wait list too long, that there'll be suicides. Right. You know, like, so it's, um, it's a very heavy, heavy load to carry. I always use that little analogy of that big boulder. And like, I'm that little tiny person pushing it up the hill. And there's some people behind me, but not enough to get it up the hill. And then it rolls down and squashes me. And then I get back up and do it again the next day Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, definitely it's been the place that I really had to find my grit and my resilience and my perseverance over and over again. Um, Because there's lots of times you just want to run away from, the rejection or, you know, you see somebody that's like, you know, doesn't want to help. And then they go buy a $4 million house and you're just like, I don't understand. Like Mm. why, do you know what I mean? Like you could afford to do that. Why can't you help? Right. Like, you know, so it's, um, you know, we've reached out to, oh my gosh, Lady Gaga, Oprah, Ellen DeGeneres, Lindsay L country store, like star, like Shania Twain, like all these people that have said they've been sexually abused and we're like, can you help us even don't give us money, but talk about us on your social media channels. Nope, nothing. So it, it does get um, a little disheartening sometimes. And um, because you just want people to care about our kids as much as, as we do, right? Like if we're not going to fight for them, they're kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. You know, like who else is going to, we're the adults, you know? And I always say to people, volunteer, make homemade cards, donate money, put on event. Like when people are like, well, you know, I don't have any resources. I'm like, well, you can talk. Do you know what I mean? Like you got two hands, you got all the resources you need. Like there's no excuse for not helping. Right. There just, there isn't, even if it's just in a, in a really, in a really small way, like Costco, I think it was last week gave us like a bunch of their leftover stuff. Nice. Like, that filled my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I spoke last week with uh, Victor Malarek, who used to be with W5 and was an investigative reporter. Like that was really cool. And now he's like, you know what, Glory, you should be on W5. I'm like, we've tried five times. And he's like, I'll make a phone call. Like, so every once in a while you get lucky, but you're not building it. Like someday I'll be gone. It's not about me. It's why it's not called the Glory Meldrum Ranch. Like it's not about me, but you know, getting the platforms to be able to talk about what we do and open the conversation more is really, really important and really important now because we've got all of this money to raise so that we can heal the broken, right? Like I'll be at the adult center. I'll be the first one. I'll be at the first program. Like I'll, I'll go there. Like I'm, I'm also building it for me. 
you know, I'm 50 years old and still, you know, suffer from depression and debilitating anxiety around health and safety. Um, Yeah, like my, my mental health has never been good. Right. You know, when I got cancer that we were talking about before we got on the, the, the podcast, like I had a complete nervous breakdown. I was hospitalized in a, in a partial hospitalization in uh, Tucson for 35 days. Right. I was suicidal. I almost took a bottle of the sedative clonazepam that they put me on. Like, I think people, I think in my next book, which is called I am surrender, um, people will realize that although they all think that I've got my shit together because of the things that I've been able to accomplish, I'm like everybody else. I'm just a work in progress every single minute of every single day. Mm-hmm. And that's the honest truth. Like, I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else and really be forgiving and gracious and non-judgmental because I've not walked in other people's shoes, right? Nor have they walked in mine, mm-hmm. right? I had a lady say to me the other day, she's like, oh, you know, your story is bad, but you should hear her story. And I almost, and it was at a speaking event, so I couldn't really address it, but I wish I would have the chance to say, Number one, you don't know my full story because no one does, mm-hmm. right? I've not ever given you that. And number two, comparing people's abuse is like, it diminishes someone and their story, yeah. right? Yeah. They didn't mean it that way. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a bit of a landmine as a topic. I mean, if you really look at why like domestic violence and child sexual abuse are actually quite close in that the offenders are mostly male and it's about control and power unless it's a pedophile and then it's sexual but the majority is sexual abuse and that is just convenience and it's about power and control right uh very very similar on the domestic violence side and so we know we'll never stop it we know that on average one sex offender abuses 75 to 125 different kids So my grandfather, so two years of abuse, he's got another, there's another 74 kids to 124 that he's abused. No one does it once. I can tell you, statistically, it doesn't happen. Like people have come up and they're like, it's my dad. He loves me. I love him. I'm like, your dad doesn't love you. Your dad is raping you, Mm -hmm. right? And he's doing it to other people, right? Like it just doesn't, statistically, it doesn't happen once, right? It doesn't happen once. Why do you think that happens? You talk about control. So do you think that, I I don't even know if you've ever really thought about this because you say that that's something that we're not going to be able to mitigate, but do you think that that comes down to like trauma from their childhood that was unresolved or have you thought about that? You know, it's, 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 I I get that fair question. That question for a bit is that, you know, at first you want to think they're all crazy, that they didn't, they were out of their mind and they didn't know what they're doing. Well, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So if you ever talk to someone like me, um, my grandfather knew every minute what he was doing. He was fully coherent. He was there. There was nothing wrong with him. And so other survivors that I talked to, it's the exact same thing. They're like, he's not crazy. He knew exactly when to come home, what to do. Get, you know what I mean? Like they know they're, they're hunters. Like we were their prey. And, um, you know, so you know, some of them, actually, some of them were sexually abused. Um, women don't tend to reoffend. It's like less than 5% of women that would, would become offenders. Men, the number is higher like that, but it's not huge. 
I mean, a lot of offenders just start doing it. I don't know if it's wiring in their brain, it's control, what they don't, we don't know. Mm. Right. But I just know that there's so many of them and the majority of them are not in jail. So people like if you have a historic case and you're, you know, over 18 and you go to the cops, like my grandfather got two years community service for multiple kids, not getting anything fucked. Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, I would say if you're lucky to get a conviction in Canada on child sexual abuse, six months served would be about the average that we would see. And then they would be out in four or out in three, depending. Right. So there's no, the government does not care. Like if they did, they care about money and economy and all of those things, but the social structure, um, that net that protects everybody when everything crashes, you know, they don't like why in Edmonton, as wealthy of a city as we are, is our tent city crazy booked? Like there's tents everywhere, homeless people Mm -hmm. everywhere. And, you know, go to an Oilers game, park there. And there's all you see is homeless people. Yeah. Like, but, you know, we had a mayor that said we've ended homelessness. Well, no, (laughs) shit. It's worse than it's ever been. Yeah. And, you know, I've gone out and given book and given my book and subway cards to at some of the, you know, the Bissell mustard seed, that kind of stuff. And every single woman, that was me. That happened to me. That happened to me. That happened to me. Why do you think they're on the streets? What they got into drugs because they couldn't cope, but now we all label them that they're pieces of shit because they're on drugs. No, we did it as a society. We don't care enough to get them help, so they end up on the street. They don't choose it. You don't choose to be a prostitute. You don't choose to have mental severe mental health issues. You don't choose to use drugs. You get driven there to numb the pain. Same with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Eating disorders are seventy five percent of all eating disorders are linked back to being sexually abused. So why do you think? that we have such a messed up version of our own bodies, mm-hmm. right? A lot of that comes from sexual abuse, right? And, you know, we just let people get away with it. We don't fight for the laws. Canada doesn't fight for anything. Like, honestly, like it's a very, I love this country, but it is very, very, very complacent in holding our government accountable um, for the the real things that will help society, right? It's so- not really on their list. Why do you think it is that something like theft has more of a sentence than sexual abuse does? Well, um, yeah, I mean, and it's true. People are like, Lori, I'm like, no, no, you go rob some computers, rape a kid. You're getting more for the computers. Mm -hmm. You are. And white collar crime, all that stuff, you're going to get more time. But it's, you know, you will see people get irate about the elephant at the zoo. You will see them get it. I read about a puppy that got, you know, thrown against a door and they show up at the courtroom and they're all mad. Why we've got PETA and all these other groups and like, they're always, you know, fighting to protect the animals. Where the hell are the groups that fight to protect the kids? Mm -hmm. Why do we, why is it easier to raise money for um, animals than it is for our own children? Want to know why? Because one's not dirty. One humans didn't do Chelsea. They didn't, when it comes to child sexual abuse, a human being raped or molested a child, but animals are safe. It's, it's why it's easy to raise money, you know, heart and stroke and sick kids and all of these things. It's easier to raise money because you can be like, you know what? That's just random. But if it's a a human that's causing, that's doing the offense, nobody wants to look at it. Right. And 
Um, you know, another thing, and this is just reality, is that the offenders, 95% of them are male. Who controls the money in the economy? Who are the majority of, C like I belong to YPO, I'm one of five women mm. out of 140 of the most senior business people in the province. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, you know, um, it's just, it's challenging, right? Um, but I'm telling you that if we want to eradicate homelessness, prostate, all of these things, it all comes back to early intervention and getting in early and healing that child. Can you imagine being a child and being like, they'll, they'll show up and they'll be like, you built this for me. I'm oh, like, God. I did, honey. I did. And one little guy said to me, he goes, because I said, I went in, he goes, who are you? And I said, I'm the founder. He goes, what's a founder? And I was like, oh shit, like the kid's like nine, like he's not gonna know what a founder is. And so I said to him, I'm, I actually built this place. It was my dream to build this because I'm a survivor like you. And, you know, he's like, how much money did you raise? He was so cute. So I told him, he goes, why wouldn't you just build yourself a new house? Why would you care about me? And I was just like, you know what? You're going to come for a walk with me, sweetheart. And I'm going to show you all of the names on every wall of the thousands of people that love you that you've never met that are rooting for you. And I wish it was bigger and it will be someday, but I'm going to walk you through the ranch and I'm going to tell you all the stories. Oh, I, hon, that's me every day. I'm going <laughs> to tell you all of the stories of the people that do love you. And I'm sorry if your family wasn't there to support you, but there is an army that is getting bigger, that is here to love and support you. You know, like even at the ranch, like we'll have kids that'll come from Newfoundland, like remote areas. You don't even want to know the logistics that my team goes through to get those kids here. And if they don't have money for a flight, we call our friends and we're like, hey, do you have air miles? This kid needs to get here. We even pay for their flights. Kids pay nothing. We cover everything for Canadian kids. So if we're not raising money, we can't heal kids. And the government's pretty much useless. So I honestly, it's 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 not it's it's funny. Be probably maybe maybe just when I came back after cancer, I, I said to my board, I said two things. Number one, please do not make me deal with any government people ever again. I don't like to be treated like I'm a piece of shit when I've spent 15 years and healed, you know thousands of kids and families and, and, and generations to come. They don't get to treat me like that, mm -hmm. nor does the sector. So I said to my board, like, I'm going to leave if, if someone doesn't take dealing with the other uh, nonprofits in this sector that have been not very fun to get along with and the government. Like I said, it's sucking the life out of me. I'll go raise money from everyday Canadians because I have more faith in them than I do in a government. Right. Like think about now, every time you turn on your TV or your radio, if I hear one more friggin ad in Alberta about the fighting of Daniel Smith is the devil, Rachel is the devil, like back and forth. Like, mm -hmm. why are you fighting about shit that doesn't matter? Come with a platform that isn't about money and separation and equalization. And I'm not saying that those things are not important. I'm a business person and there's some merit to it. But the hate that those two women have started their campaign with makes me embarrassed to be a woman. It does. Mm -hmm. And Rachel was in before, did nothing. Mm -hmm. And Danielle was in the, on the opposition side and did very little. Like, you know, pick something brave. Be freaking brave. Take something on that matters. 
not just the economy and this and blah, 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 and trying to get more coal mined out of us that are killing our mountains and our wildlife. And Danielle is all about that, about extracting coal, right? Like there's a lot of stuff people don't get. And, you know, it's the number one question. People are like, are you, will you run? And I'm like, have you met me? Like (laughs) I, I would gut that system. I would gut children's services. I would gut health. I would gut it all. And I would rebuild it. Because mm-hmm. you know what? It doesn't work. How many kids have been killed in our foster care system over the last freaking 20 years? There's been oh, multiple reports on it. It's huge, right? Like it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. The healthcare system's broken, but oh, unfortunately, yeah. you don't get people that are builders and really authentic and have the tenacity in politics. They're all running their own businesses because they don't want to put up with the bullshit mm-hmm. in politics. That's why I'll never run. Yeah. Is that um, I'm not somebody you can put in a box. I beat to my own drum. I do my own shit. If you don't like it, just get out of my way. Mm-hmm. That's it. Move, you know, because I'm, I believe that we're all here, you know, to enjoy our life, which I need to start to do because I've given much of my life away to helping everyone, but we're here to leave a legacy and change the world. We're not here to buy a bigger house and another car and make another million dollars in our business. Like if, if that's your life, look in the mirror and you tell me how happy you are, Mm -hmm. right. Is I can tell you, I've been, you know, I grew up very poor and I financially done very well in my life, but that doesn't make me happy. Hell no. Doesn't at all. What makes me happy and fills my heart is that I dedicated my life to healing little kids, Mm -hmm. right? And I won't let it end that just because people are adults that they shouldn't get help. Like, why don't I get help? I can run circles around therapists. I've been doing it forever. Like I need an intensive program, right? And that's why I'm going to build this facility. And and that's the last part of my vision um, for Little Warriors is that's the, the, that building that adult treatment center. Um, Yeah. And then I'll see from there kind of what things look like for me, because I also think people and you and I talked about it kind of in the pre-chat is that they don't understand the amount of pressure and work for someone like me that is always I'm on podcasts, media, book stuff in the middle of stories that are happening. You know, I chair the board for Little Warriors. I'm the face of it. Like they're you know what I mean? Like it's, um, and so to go into a government environment and there's no respect, you know, it's from my own government. Got it? Like from my own government, you know, like it's hard um, to be disrespected when the only, you only do it because it's the right thing to do. And you just want to say to them, how about you do the right thing? You're the one elected to fix shit. I'm not. I'm not an elected official. But, you know, I think we, we think that politicians, Chelsea, have, all of the answers they don't they got you tell me and i say this in every speech give me one example of something that the government has changed generationally one one government the country can be in the last hundred years there isn't shit there's not one so don't look down on an organization that is brave and changing the world and generations to come right but it's also a boundary thing that you get to a point and you're like you're not allowed to speak to me that way I haven't, I haven't deserved, I don't, I haven't earned that treatment. Um, You know, so boundaries are definitely one thing I've really had to learn a lot about. Um, 
and knowing that the government isn't the power, the people are the power, Mm -hmm. but the people don't realize how powerful they are. I love when people are like, well, you're an entrepreneur and you've got money and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, I'm as screwed up as everybody else, right? Like, you know, literally I'm still coming off this drug called clonazepam. It's been an eight month wean. There's nights that I'm on my floor in my closet, bawling and screaming from the withdrawal pains. And I wasn't even addicted to it, but my body was, and I never abused it. Right. Like, you know, trust me, the, the journey with cancer, um, all of the shit that I've been through in my life is the difference for me is that I, I don't use what I've been through as an excuse not to stand up and do something. So when people say, well, it's you, you've done all this stuff. I'm like, I grew up in a trailer park. You know what I'm saying? Like we had no money. We, it was really, really hard. And if I can do it, what can everybody else do? Right. You know, is we all have to be involved. Right. And, and maybe it's, Hey, Glory, I can't do this, but I could help you introduce you to this. Like everybody's got to help because this can't be a small army. If we want to change this, you know, we need celebrities to say, actually, you know what? I want to come out there and see what you're doing. I never had that. And then talk about it on their Instagram and different things like that to raise the profile so that we bring in the money so we can heal more kids. There's too many kids for us to heal. Like we can't get through the list. Right. And sometimes I feel like I'm just like screaming and nobody's listening. And I just don't fucking understand. I just don't understand. They've got kids. They've got grandkids. Help us. Right help us. It's not me. I'm not taking your money. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's, and every dollar that comes in, 85% of every dollar goes to the kids, 15% admin. That's all we are. We are so well run. Um, it, cause we're run like a business, right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's challenging, right? Have you thought about what it would be like to eat intuitively without any food rules or restrictions, but fear that you'll end up eating pizza and cookies all day? Do you struggle to trust your body's hunger and fullness cues? Would you like to have a better understanding of your metabolism? I cover all of this and more in my 12-week program, Food and Body Freedom. You can grab your spot for the next group by enrolling at bloombodycollective.com under the services tab, Food Freedom Course, or click the link below. Whether you've tried intuitive eating in the past or you're sick of dieting and ready to discover what it's like to have a relationship with food that isn't stressful, this program will transform your life. Can't wait to see you inside. How do you uphold this belief in your vision? Like when you've been rejected and you put yourself out there and you put yourself out there and people are like, we don't care. Like, let's talk about fucking coal mining. This is more important. Or, you know, like you just, you get shot down personally. I know that through your, through your treatment experience and all of the therapy and all the shit that you've been through, you've been dismissed so many times too. Like how the hell do you keep going? Because I hear this and I'm like, I feel like personally I would have quit a long ass time ago. Like how let's make no mistake dear. If this wasn't a vision given to me by God, got it. And for me, God is love and love is God. Like I'm not getting into like, he hates gay people. Like that's not my God. My God loves everyone. Right. And this was something I was told to do. And until the day that he tells me not to do it, that he whispers, I'm done then I can't run. But understand that I've packed my bags figuratively a million times. I've had death threats 
that pe people saying they wanted to burn me, burn my house. Um, you know, like I, I have security when I go to a big event. Like, that's not fun. What do you like? I'm a bad person and my life is at risk because I'm standing up for kids. That's kind of messed up. That's so and messed up. So I think that the only way you get through it is, um, fuck it. Do you know what I mean? Like, get out of my way. Fuck it. I'm going. Get out of my way. Like, if you're not going to help me, like, I remember um, a pretty well-known Albertan, and he said to me, you know, Glory, like, you got to stop pissing off the government, doing this and doing that, and da-da-da-da-da. And I remember he just said it too many times, and I was like, dude, this is a deal. If you do not want to call me and say, congratulations, I'm so proud of you, you are so fucking brave for doing what you do, standing up to the government for the 10th time. But if you're worried because you've given us money and you're worried they're not going to like you, which was what was going on, then you know what? Go look in your own fucking mirror. Don't mm -hmm. look at me because it takes everything I have to fight. Do not suck my energy like a vampire. Got it? I got enough people sucking my energy. Got it? I don't need you right? Like I've got enough. Well, you know, how are you going to raise $15 million? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? And I'm like, did you not just see the last run? Got it. I've already done this. My team's already done this mm -hmm. and you know, and we'll get it done. We always, God always shows up. Um, and he always will. And so if it wasn't for my faith, um, make no mistake about it weekly, I would pack my bags and run. Like it's just bigger than me. And, you know, I was chosen to lead this. Uh, no one wants to be the Canadian face of child sexual abuse. Trust me on that one. You got people saying, oh my gosh, look, at she's so arrogant. She's always in the, and you're just like, yeah, I want everybody looking at me thinking, yeah, she was raped by her grandfather. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to mind when people see me, yeah. right? You know, and so people judge you because you're, you know, you've, you've, grown a profile or a platform and so and so you say fuck it but you also say you're not my tribe I do not care you know like when I was away on holidays um with a friend someone had said to her you know glory just should be careful she's too vulnerable and too authentic and it puts people off and you know my friend kind of shared it with me and I was like dude like that's their problem not mine like I appreciate you telling me but I don't know them and I do not care Mm -hmm. like it people don't realize like even if you don't believe in what I'm doing like could you just be I don't know appreciative and thankful and nice that's yeah. it you know but I'm always gonna you know talk about I mean I've had two nervous breakdowns in the last five years one was like a 14 month one that I thought I was gonna die and I was suicidal and you know I I know what it's like to be at the edge and there's an inch and the wind blows and you're over. Like I know the depths of hell, but I also know the grace and the love of God. Right. And, you know, so for me, it's a faith thing. And until he tells me and whispers that I'm, that it's done, then, then, then I'm here until that. Right. Um, because it's, it's interesting. People always say like, well, who's going to be the next glory Meldrum that will take the reins. And I'm thinking it scares me. I'll be honest. Like I don't, I, I am a unique individual based on my own experiences is that there's a reason 20 people have said they wanted to build a ranch and none of them have done it. You know, it's, um, it's a lot of work. I mean, I spend 50 hours in my business and 50 hours doing that. There's nothing 
there's no time left. Right. And so, you know, I just, I just, I really pray that and have this intention and this vision around just, you know, people that were sexually abused that do have profile that will help us and get us raise our profile so that we're able to bring in more money. Like we just contacted Pamela Anderson because she was on the cover of people and she did her documentary. And I'm like, will you help us? Right. Like, you know, we just need more people to get involved and to help or these kids grow up and their life is not, not a good one. And we have the chance to change that. And I'm telling you, we've got the evidence that proves it can be done because we've done it for nine years on the ranch side. And you you know, it's funny. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think it's possible for adults that go through the same treatment program to get to that space too? Or do you think as adults, it's always going to be a lingering trauma? And I guess maybe the same question for kids, like even coming out of the treatment program, do you think it's something that they're going to have to come back to, or they still go to therapy for the rest of their life? I think that, you know, there'll always be a therapy component, but I think that a good chunk of that foundation and the healing that's done with us, we've seen it long lasting because we have now kids that have been through the program nine years. Right. Like one little guy was up to my waist and now he's six, five. Right. You know, like it's, um, I love the kids. Eh? Like I love the kids. I love my board. I love my staff. Um, I love the community, you know, the parts of it that are standing up and helping us. Right. Like, you know, we've got a luncheon coming up in May right? It's May 10th, I think. And, you know, we got to pack that room because it's our biggest fundraiser, but selling tables is like, it's painful. It's so painful. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's um, people also too, is that, I don't know, there's so many things to be addicted to, whether it's TV or other things is that what people don't realize is that the way to feel good is actually to help other people. Like when I was at the cross the other day for my final appointment, Um, there was a guy there and I went and I brought donuts and I thanked all the radiation techs because they always used to say to me, we don't know if you guys live. And I said, I'm going to come down every visit. And I have, I lose my marbles. I'm falling, I'm hugging them. And, you know, it's, it's so profound for me. And like, you know, they get looked at over, like the doctors get the credit, but you know, the way they treated me, was unbelievable and I know now that they knew who I was but when I was going through it they they never brought it up but when I was there yesterday and I was done they were like we knew we know who you are and I was like oh I never I didn't I mean it hardly matters but I loved that they treated me as a patient not as glory little warriors right mm-hmm. um but I sat down with a guy he was there and I wasn't sure if it was him or his wife that was the survivor that was going through cancer and it was him. And uh, I sat and I said, you know, I'm five years. And I just felt like pulled to them like that. I like, call them God whispers. And I'm like, I listen to them every time. And so I sat down with him and he's like, yeah, I've got a rough road ahead. And he looked amazing. He might've been 60, 65, healthy. Um, and I actually thought, I didn't know if it was his wife or him or what. And he said, yeah, you know, they're going to do radiation chemo to shrink the tumor. And then they're going to... Um, operate and then more chemo and radiation he's got a year of treatment and so what I did is I sat down and I held space for him and I just said I want you to know I love you and I we're all brothers and sisters we forget it every minute of every day Mm -hmm. we are all God's children and 
we're brothers and sisters, but the way that we treat people in traffic on social media, it's, um, repulsive. Mm -hmm. it, it really, really is. Um, is we, if we want this world to survive this planet to survive, we better really start looking at the priorities. Um, and that's a healthy society, healthy people. We want to have a, an environment that we didn't kill. Mm -hmm. Got it that we can't live here anymore is, you know, it's our priorities as a society just aren't, they're not right. You know, they're just not. And you can look at it by the politics and what's going on and people calling and they're supposed to be the leaders. You don't see me calling down, you know, somebody at like another organization. I, you know, there's some that I have been really challenging, but I didn't mention who they were, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's always fighting and, and um, there's no connection with the people, right? Like I look at Alberta right now and and we're not connected. We're, I just don't think that's who we are, you know? Like, I don't know. It's a really weird time. I always say it's like, everybody's upside down right now. Like even entrepreneurs are like, do I still want to do this? Like, this mm -hmm. is hard. Mm -hmm. We just grinded it out. I mean, I was cancer three years and then COVID. Sorry, two and a half and two and a half. So I got out, got my shit together, and then COVID came. I'm thinking, Lord, was I a serial killer in another life? Yeah. Because holy shit, trying to raise money during that time and the kids couldn't get here. And, you know, like we, and what did our government do? Do you think they put money into the people to get the, the mental health services and the leaders so we could be healthy to lead our people? Jack shit. We just put it all in the debt. Yeah. Like, look at their decisions. They put money into mental health, but they put it into a system that doesn't work. This mental health system doesn't work. If it worked, prostitution would go down, drugs, alcohol, homelessness, cutting, suicide, mental illness, all of it. We're not even making a dent, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I wish I was younger that I had more gas in my tank to take that on, but you know, this has been more than a lifetime, right? the little warrior stuff. And I've got to focus on the last piece of the vision that God gave me was the adult center. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I do something else. I don't know. Um, but I do think that the world and this country just need people to stand up for what's right and not be complacent. And just, cause if you're neutral and I, I joke about this all the time in speeches that you know, you got all these word warriors and they're on there and they're like, they're, you know, the little girl that was six weeks old in Lethbridge that was raped by her father. And people are like, kill that man. He's such a bastard and all these things. And I'm like, wow, that's so helpful. Yeah, Your rage is so helpful. What are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. Got it? What are you doing about it? Don't get mad. And, and like, it's easy to say, yeah, that person's an asshole, jail forever. People should kill him in jail. Great. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Bitching on social media is not action. It's not. They think like I can honestly, Facebook is my favorite. I'm not on Twitter. I hate Twitter. It's just a cesspool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and even on like, even on LinkedIn and business, like my crowd is really, it's more on the Facebook side um, and in, engaging at a, at a good level with people. And then when people jump in and start saying stupid things, I just block them. Like, I just, it's like, yeah. Hey, you know what? No. Right. Yeah. 
um, you know, you just block them, but we're, we're getting so comfortable behind screens to be mm-hmm. assholes. Mm-hmm. Right. And really what we need is heroes and champions. Right. And I feel like a huge part of that is what you mentioned circling back to that story of that gentleman at the cross is holding space and vulnerability. You are probably one of the most vulnerable people that I know in all of the pieces of your story that you share. And I just can't help but feel like if we had leaders, if we had politicians that were talking about their childhood trauma, I mean, obviously no one, I can't even imagine anyone ever doing that because that would just be so uncomfortable to the whole population. And people would be like, why the fuck are you in power? Right. But like, can you imagine if that started? I think people would love them. I do. I think if they were honest and authentic, they would love them uh, because they're real, Mm -hmm. but they don't share anything about themselves. Oh, look at my dog and my husband. Totally. Oh, wow. That's, you know what? Glad you're my leader. Like they're more armored up than anybody I know that's not in politics. I'm not armored. You want to know something like, you know, people will say to me, they're like, you know, how is your your intimacy with your husband because a lot of survivors have a really hard time with intimacy mm-hmm. um, but i've been you know with a love of my life for 30 years we've never had more fun do you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. it it's just beautiful and i love him more than the day that i met him in university and you know like it's um it really is us being healed so that we can be love. Mm-hmm. You can only really be pure love. Um, I, I, you know, people will say things about homeless people. I'm like, have you ever sat with one? Have you ever sat with one? I said, I'm going to share you a story. There was a guy, his name was Rico. And he was at the SO by my house. And he was there and I went in and I've always been that person. I might put myself in a little bit of dangerous situation sometimes, but it's just kind of who I am. And so I went in, I got him a bunch of food is what I could buy at the SO and whatever cash I had. And I went over and I gave it to him and I left. And then I came back again a couple of weeks later to fill up. And I was like, you know what, Glory, seriously, you bought him stuff. you made yourself feel better, but what's his story? Mm-hmm. And I went over and it was like, you know, where you park and there's like that big concrete thing. He was sitting on it. And I sat and I said, love, I've got you some food. I got, brought you a bunch of stuff. I said, do you have, can we just sit and talk? And, you know, people would be driving by and getting gas and they'd be like, is this crazy lady sitting with the homeless guy? <laughs> yeah. Fucking right. It was, yeah. is, you know, I sat and he's like, you know, glory, like me and my wife, we squatted in this apartment building that wasn't like open for years. She had cancer. My brother's homeless. My other brother's homeless, this, 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 like dude never had a chance from the time he was a friggin' kid. And so you know, and as it got colder, I went there and I'd sit with them and bring him food. And I was like, okay, I'm coming back on Thanksgiving at this time, I'll bring you turkey dinner. And I brought my kids there. And I was like, listen, you've got little dock shoes on or whatever you, you know what I mean? Like the kind of those shoes and you've got no jacket, it's snowing. And so I said, what size are your shoes? Like all of this stuff. And I went out with my kids and I took it to teach them a lesson of taking care of other people when you can. And we went back and we brought him a jacket and boots and food and all of those things is, you know, where the learning is in life is from the broken. Mm. It's not from the politicians that are armored. They're not going to teach you anything except what not to be right. You go Mm. talk to a senior in a home. 
they'll tell you about their life mm-hmm. and what they learned, right? There, there's education there. There's education from, like, I've gone into prisons and spoke. And uh, one of the prisons was an all-female one. And every single person that I was speaking to, this one was uh, via Zoom, every one of them was sexually abused. They'd all lost their kids because they got into drugs and other things. They lost their, they lost everything. And then we're like, no, drug user. No, 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 no. Kid was raped by their dad. And now we're taking their children. And hey, is the dad in jail? And I said to them, are any of your offenders in jail? You guys all are. Any of your offenders in jail? None. Not one. But we just, we throw them away. We don't look at what's been done, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and they were fighting to get their kids back and, and, and have a normal life you know, and, um, and it's a battle, like, when you're violated that way and hunted, you know, it's not, I don't think you ever, ever fully recover from it, right? But you got to look at the gifts and the lessons and the growth and all of those things. And the people that are beautifully broken are the ones that will change the world. It's not the zombies walking around every day that aren't paying attention that are just zombies. I call Mm -hmm. them the walking dead. They're armored up. They don't let anybody in, right? Like they're just doing their, their, their task every day that there's that humanness is not, is not there. Right. And so, you know, for me, you know, I'm sure not, I'm not for everybody. I'm a large drink of water for sure, but you know, I call it how it is. I, if I say I'm going to do it, I do it, I get it done. Um, and I'm truthful. I could be like, you know, cancer was easy. I was a, I was a, I was the craziest cancer patient I've ever met. No, I'm not kidding. Like I, I was, I wanted to die. Every mm-hmm. time I had chemo, my hu- I'd be on the floor and my husband would pull my ponytail up and be like, can I get you something to eat? And I'd be like, get me a knife or oh a gun. God. Like, I just want to shoot myself. Like, I don't want any more of this. I want out, I want out, I want out. Every single day of that 14 months, I wanted to die. I wanted to die. End of story. I know what that's like. And I fight so that other people won't have that, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I don't know what it's like to, I don't know, would I even have a hobby or... I'm rediscovering joy. That's why I took that month off because mm-hmm. I've lost it. And that's on me. That's not anybody else's fault. I've now got to go, okay, Glory, step back. Got it. What is it that you want? God may have asked you to do this, but he didn't ask you to give up your whole life, mm. right? Let him do the magic. And then you do the pieces that you need, he needs you to do. You don't like, cause I'm that person that I'll just go do it all. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're short a million bucks. Gloria will go find it. And mm-hmm. I will, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just slowly killing me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why too, like you can only expect someone like me to only have so much gas and it's 15 years and I'm tired and mm-hmm. I need other people to, to step up and, and to help in whatever way they can, because we are all connected and these are our babies, right? Like, why is there not a riot in Lethbridge that people are like lined up on the street? that a six week old baby got raped. Like what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? What the fuck will it take? 
How do you, we talked about before we started recording, we talked about the iceberg analogy. Um, and I think that we can agree that a huge part of the problem is that we have all of these people that are armored and nobody is in that place. Like you are of like being willing to be vulnerable and sharing parts of your story, not necessarily the children, but just like adults, you know, we don't want to talk about the shit that we're uncomfortable with or the shit that we're embarrassed about or ashamed about. And so like, how do we get to that point? Like, how did you get to a place where you're like, I'll show you my whole iceberg. It's, it's really big and ugly. I think that, you know, the piece of that is, is that, you know, like, you know, when you're working out and you're carrying really heavy weights and you're like, shit, these are so heavy. I got to a point and I'm like, you know what? I'm not carrying the shit anymore. I'm not carrying that hundred pound deadlift bar. Like I'm not doing it. Like I'm not, I'm not here to be what other people want me to be. I'm glory. I'm a lot, but you know what? I'm loyal as hell. I'll fight. I'm tenacious. I persevere. I get shit done, you know, like though, but I'm also have severe anxiety problems. I can, people are like, how can you speak to 10,000 people? And it doesn't bother you. I'm like, oh no, that doesn't bother me at all. I don't even prep. I go pray in the bathroom, go on stage and say, God, fill me with your words. This isn't about me. I'm just a vessel like that. But so you can imagine with the severe safety and health anxiety, what cancer did to me, like my body, my, my anxiety has not left. Even when I woke up this morning, like my five year was yesterday that they kicked me out. Never been so happy. Um, and I woke up, I was like, Lori, you're cured. Drop it, drop that anxiety that you're having. Cause it's not yours anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it's, uh, we got to just say, screw it. Like, I don't, I don't know any other way to put it is it's like the Nike slogan. Just do it. You just got to do it. Mm -hmm. And people be like, well, what if people hurt me? You you know what? You got a good enough gut as a human. Don't share it with people that aren't safe. You know, it's different for me because I'm public, but, you know, share, you know, like share with people what you're going through. Like I have so many friends that are going through cancer right now. And, you know, one of my friends, um, Cheryl from Calgary had cancer, but she got scleroderma from the chemo, which basically hardens all of your organs, your hands, everything. So now she's fighting two battles. Oh my God. You want to know what? That woman is a hero to me. Want to know why? Cause she's teaching every one of us on Facebook and sharing her entire journey. You know what? Those are the people I respect. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, um, it's kind of interesting because people always think like I have a, my 50th birthday is coming and I've got like 30 of my, my closest people, really 15 and their spouses, uh, coming to my house and I'm bringing in a chef and my husband's going to sing and all that stuff. And you'd be really surprised at my friend group. Like you would think that they're all the people that I know in my business group that have money. Most of those guys aren't invited. Wanna know why? They're not my people. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of my best friend is um she makes jewelry, right? Like she makes Shakti jewelry. Like, you know, my other friend uh is retired. My other bestie is in Palm Springs. Um, my other best friend is a leadership coach. Um, pardon me, they're not all successful entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They're normal people that are doing the work. Mm-hmm. Got it? Like the thing, if you look at my friend group, pardon me, that what they have in common is they're all doing the work. They're doing the work and mm-hmm. we're, we're holding each other accountable, right? Like my girlfriend, before I went to the cancer, my girlfriend, Sarah, the jeweler, she's like, glory, 
Like I've watched you for five years. This is the strongest you've ever gone to gone in for a cancer appointment. And I'm like, Whoa, I don't want to go there. And, you know, she just loves me. And, you know, so many of them, every, like I was on suicide watch. My husband had to set up a schedule when he dropped the kids off that someone had to be with me. Nope. People don't know that. They'd be like, what? I'm like, why am I going to hide it? If you want to think lower of me because of it, that's on you, man. That's not on me. I'm going to be honest and hopefully other people will start to be, be authentic as well. Right. It's funny. Like if you, if I, if I'm set up to go to a coffee or whatever, and like, it's all artificial and and like fluff, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in and out of there in 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not, I do not like surface shit. Oh, I just got a car and Emily got her braces and you know, whatever it is. And this is our trip. And I can have a little bit of that, but if we're not going to learn from each other and connect mm-hmm. and be honest, what, it's, there's, what, there's not, it's not, it's not for me. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I'm the type of person that I'll be like, you know, you have a lot of armor, right? Like I'll tell people, yeah. you know, and you can, and you can see it because they don't ever share anything, mm-hmm. but imagine their insides of keeping all that pain. Oh God. I'm allowing other people to carry the weight of my, my experiences with me. Right. And I, the other reason that I, that I think that I'm able to somewhat still function in the chaos of what is my life at this point is I have a tribe of friends that is like nothing I've ever seen in my life. Like one of my friends, he's 70 and uh, his name's Ted. And uh, he from, he's a cancer survivor. He had stage four throat and beat it. He had a 20% roughly chance to live. 150 lymph nodes, all cancer. I thought he was fucked. And a year after I got diagnosed, not even kidding. We were at dinner. He was going to surgery the next morning, a year to the date I got diagnosed. And do you know, for five years, he sent me a message every single day for five years. And when my husband phoned him because someone couldn't make it, he was there. He was there. He was there. He was there. He never missed a beat. And, you know, same with my Sarah and Juliana and like all of the, I had a tribe that literally carried me when I couldn't walk. And it wasn't, you know how you have a circle of friends and they're your best ones. My first circle shit the bed. Like my best friend of 25 years was like, I said, I'm going to kill myself. And literally she said to me, there is no more that I can give you. And I was like, but I, but I'm, but, but, but I'm only asking that you check in on me. I'm only asking that you come visit. That's what she, and you know what? She took off and she's never spoke to me since and moved out of Edmonton. Completely broke my heart. Yeah. So my, and I understand that a lot of people that she knows has died but she was the godmother of my children. She was my best friend. She dropped oh, me, dropped me. I was devastated. You know, and people, I would say to them, why did you never check in on me? And they'd be like, well, you're Glory Maldrum. And I'm like, so I'm not human. Mm-hmm. You're kidding, right? And then I'd say, by the way, I almost killed myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what do you want? And instead of being, I mean, the one friend thing still bothers me to this day, but it's her own shit. It's not mine is, you know, the second tier of friends, 
they literally, they just took over and they're my group now. Mm-hmm. Like they're my people and I've been there for them and they've been there for me and, and they're all doing the work. Like if, if you want to start, one of the first things you do is take a look at your friends. Mm-hmm. Are they doing the work or are they armored? Are they all armored to shit? Because if they're all armored to shit, so are you, because you're choosing that environment to, to, to be in where with me, there's none of them. Like they're all doing the work. Everybody in my life is doing the work. Right. And, um, we all need to do the work. Mm. Like that's what life is about is, is doing the work and, and discovering who you are. And even in all of the shit, there are beautiful things like, yes, I've got, you know, bad mental health stuff. Um, but you know, I'm spontaneous and loving and creative and loyal and, I'm all these other really great things, you know, and they're all part of me. And I'm lucky that I found a man that just loves me more than anything in the planet. And he does, right? Like you see us, people like you guys are like, stop it, you know, (laughs) because yeah, I just, he's my everything, right? Never missed a cancer appointment, nothing. Never, ever has he missed anything, right? He's wow. always there. Never asked me even after we had death threats to stop little warriors. Never always there just to back, like just to have my back, you know? And, uh, I'm really, really, really grateful for him. And he really just has always been there, you know, like you, we've got to have those people that we know will never leave, that they're just there through thick mm-hmm. and thin and we can be ourselves. Right. And they come in different packages, like make no mistake that God's knocking on your door or whatever you believe in that the greater universe, God, whoever Mm -hmm. they're knocking and they're saying, Chelsea, I've been telling you, but if you only have the loud channel on and not the God channel on, you're not getting the messages. What I do is I'm very, very open and clear to what he's asking me to do. The problem with me is that I do 10 times more than he asks me to do. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm like the racehorse that keeps running around the track and then I die and they send me to a glue factory because I, I don't have a break. Like I just, Mm -hmm. From my trauma, I just keep going and going and going. And now I'm learning my own break to be like, you know what? Like yesterday, I could have came back to work. I had a lot of stuff I had to do. And I'm like, you know what? I went shopping for furniture Hmm. because in five years since cancer, I've not felt grounded in my own house. Right. And, And so I'm like, you know, getting some new bar stools and a new bed and just a few things to like, I don't know feel more grounded in my space. Yeah. But I haven't gone shopping for furniture in years. Like, I don't even know. And I made the decision that after the cross, I was emotionally spent and I just needed my own time. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. And that's really what I'm working on now is, is looking after myself and not letting everybody take everything. Got it? You know, because it's very easy Cause wherever I go, whether even I'm on Facebook, the next thing you know, you got 10 email, 10 messages of seven pages of disclosure, right? Like you don't, you go to the keg for supper or the hair place and someone's disclosing, right? Like you're kind of in your own trauma all the time because of the work that you do. Right. And so, you know, just, just finding ways to manage things better and not have to, not have to work as much. Right. But we got to, I could lie to you and say, it's all great and it's good. And I love it and blah, blah, blah. And I do love it, but it's a lot. 
it's so much that I just, I need other people to help me and to stand up with me for these kids. Right. You do. You totally do. do. So, um, if there's people that are listening who want to help you, uh, obviously I am one of them and I'm just genuinely curious, like how, how can we help? How can just the everyday person help? How can they contact you? How can they get involved? So you're already helping because you had me on your podcast and now whoever, and I'll post it when it goes live and all that stuff too, is that, um, you know, that people can hear the message. And so I've been doing, if you have a bunch of podcasts that you know people and you could help me get on, like I, I need people to help spread the word. Mm-hmm. I need, we need to raise money. We need volunteers. We need people to put on events that raise money for us. We need people to write the uh, governments and demand help. Although we've done letter writing campaigns and none of them have ever worked, but you know, like to meet with their MLAs and their M it's gotta be us that push the government to get it on the agenda um you know anything like we've got one lady um who makes homemade cards for us that we give to donors you know we have another lady that does this big fundraising thing in her office for art supplies and stuff and then we then we don't have to pay for that we have a list at littlewarriors.ca how you can help take the prevention program right now we need windows and roofs and carpet and paint and furniture all the stuff to do the expansion of the Be Brave Ranch and to build the new adult treatment center, right? So we've got a list on there that you can go and and take a look at. And everybody, you know what? And if you don't, you're, you know, you're not mobile, you've got a whole things you can't help, then you know what? Tell 10 friends, tell five about Little Warriors. Mm -hmm. Can you do that? You know what I mean? Like it's not, spread the word. Like if that's all you can do, that's a lot right? Um, That's a lot, right? And, you know, you might know someone that's got a Tim Hortons and you could say to them, hey, would you ever look at Little Warriors for your smile cookie Mm. or Costco? Maybe you work at Costco and you're like, remember they, they do, you can buy the thing and I don't know, I forget what it is. And I think it's for Sick Kids Canada. Yeah. Um, You know, but what, think about what your assets are, right? And your talents, And what can you do with those? Okay. Maybe you're a writer that's like, you know what, Glory, I want to help write some stuff for Little Warriors five days a week. Mm. I want to help. Um, you have a music program. I want to help, you know, whatever it is. You know, I raise turkeys. Can I give you two turkeys for Thanksgiving? We can't mm. pay for Thanksgiving turkeys. So people drop them off in pierogies. We have one lady that collects bottles, gives us the money, makes pierogies and sells them. Wow. Right? You know, and there is nothing that fills your soul more than getting involved in community in a real impactful way and helping. It's the honest truth, right? Um, Yeah, so there's many, many, many ways. And yeah, and you know, it's interesting. A friend of mine who's a guy, he was at a hockey game one night and they were talking about Theo Flurry and his abuse. And the guys were like kind of making fun about like why Theo, he was a boy. Why didn't he like punch the guy that offended on him and there's my friend next to him that's a sexual like that was raped as a kid and like if you hear someone saying that jump in and say you know what what did you expect a 12 year old to do against a grown man mm-hmm. like even if it's a conversation or someone's being sexually inappropriate to someone call them on it mm-hmm. right you know call them on it 
and, you know, do the right thing like that. Honestly, like whatever that is for you to help do that. Right. You know, is we've got to get the message out there. Maybe someone in here works at a radio station. will have me on for an interview. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not about me. It's about me being on there and telling you about what I'm, what we're doing so that people can help. Like everybody can help in some way. Like I met um, the Victor Malaric guy that used to be on the fifth estate at the end of my speech, he came up to me and he said, I'm going to help you get on the fifth estate. And I was like, I would really love that. So my assistant setting up an appointment so we can do a zoom. So I know what documents to get him, but there's a way that he can help me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to give me money. He knows them because he worked there for all those years, right? Um, you know, it might be that you're a teacher and I can come in and talk to your kids. Like it goes on, as you can see, it's like, there's so many ways yeah. on and on. Come to the luncheon. It's $150. All the money goes to Little Warriors, right? Wow. And this year, our speaker is um, Paul Young. He's the author of Shack, of The Shack. Wow. Yeah. And there's just been a movie done about it. And yeah. he's a sexual abuse survivor and he is a beautiful, I think this is going to be our best luncheon ever on the speaker side. I'm so excited. That's so exciting. Like he's, Paul is such an unbelievable guy. Um, yeah. So there's lots of things that you can do and, and understanding that, you know, the government's not given a, they're they're not writing us checks, Mm. right? This is their responsibility, right? It's their, they're in power to do actually what we're doing like so if you're not doing it help us right like help us you know especially to i always say to them like we've proven everything we're Mm -hmm. world class but you give the money to other people that have no data but you won't give us any right you know it's just and i think the other thing too is find your own voice and your own authenticity to be able to speak and share and share your story Mm -hmm. five other people will learn how to do it Right. I always think it's interesting that my family always wanted to keep me quiet. They sure mess with the wrong kids. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do joke though. Cause I'm like, I'm sure they were like, yeah, out of all the people that could have did this, it's her. Yeah. You know, but I know what it's like to be hunted. Mm-hmm. And I know the impact it's had on my life and as many kids as I can save before my last breath, that's what I'll do. Right. Even if it's me and five people. Yeah. I'll just wow. hope that's not I, the case. But this is so exciting. I'm so honored it so, that it was so fun. Honestly, I love I love to be able to kind of sit and sit and chat. And I so appreciate you having me on, dear. Like I really, I really, really do. I could listen to you all day. And I'm just, yeah, I'm so grateful that you were here. I'm so grateful that you got to share this vision that I can now be a part of it. Um Absolutely. so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you guys got value from the show, I would love for you to rate and share it. And if you have any questions about the conversation today, you can always find me on Instagram or Facebook at Chelsea Glubish. Catch you on the next one.